0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my kaiju-minded friend today with me, and marvelous co-host Matt Rossi. Yeah,
1: I'll write that article about how Deathwing as a kaiju was a complete misstep.
0: Yeah, he could even even as a kaiju, he could have been a better kaiju. We could we could we could we could go on for. He could have been a better time. kaiju
1: have actually done kaiju things instead of just constantly. The problem was they tried to have him be a manipulative, mad genius, but then when you fight him in the game, he only acts as a giant monster. Yep. But if he's going to be a giant monster, then, you know, you set up that he was going to be capable of giant monstering. I mean, he, he, just, he busts up through, you know, the, the ground, creates a massive hole in the maelstrom, d- devastates most of the planet, and yet doesn't actually do much after that.
0: Yeah.
1: And the most the most interaction we get with Deathwing is in a like I think a level thirties quest that sets up Ratheon's origins, which means if you didn't level a new character in Cataclysm, you, you didn't see it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a lore watch, so this is actually topical. Like I feel like I'm I'm giving you actual World of Warcraft lore, but we should move on before I start just <laughs> ranting about
0: Godzilla. Uh, cause it is going to get to that point, folks. Uh, but today we're going to be answering more of your questions since uh we actually didn't get it through a whole lot of them uh last week, which uh speaks to the quality of questions that you are all providing us. Uh but if you do have questions for this or the other podcast, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify which podcast they're for, or just let us, you know, sort of fight for it and see which one of us comes up with the uh the victory of claiming it for our podcast. Uh if you don't want to send an email, uh, you can go ahead and send those questions in on Discord. We do have two separate channels. We have one for Patreon supporters uh, as a way of saying thank you. We give them a little more priority. As a matter of fact, a lot of these questions do actually come from there. Uh, And we do have one for non-Patron supporters because we understand times are tough and maybe you can't actually support us on Patreon, but you enjoy our content nonetheless. Uh, So we do have our uh, Q and podcast questions channel where you can put certain things for us to look and see if we can pick up and add to the show so without further ado we're going to go ahead and get started with a question greetings Matt and Joe lore masters extraordinaire it is I Lord Soth Uh, I've spent much time in the mall lately and I'm confused about one particular thing the jailer seems to be aware of everything we do. You mentioned a few weeks ago that it seems like he just doesn't care what we do until up to a certain point, because we're not really messing him up. Torgas is where he keeps his most prized prisoners. Given the difficulty he went and went to in order to extract the knowledge of Mornblades out of the Rune Carver, why doesn't he seem to care that we have been helping the Rune Carver? In theory, the person with the knowledge of how to forge these rune weapons would be the greatest source of knowledge on how to beat them. If there's a flaw in the jailer's plan, I feel like the Rune Carver would be the only one to know how to exploit it. So why does the jailer simply seem to let us come and go to the rune carver without concern? Thanks again for the podcast. I think there's a, a pretty obvious answer and it's mechanically supported in the game. It's that all of the memories has sort of been beaten out of the rune Carver. Uh, when we find him, don't forget, like your quest is to find memories and bring them back to him because he doesn't have them anymore. These are physical things that were extracted from him and thrown out into the world. So he doesn't have that knowledge necessarily. He doesn't even remember who he is. He is a broken thing by the time we get there. Uh, so like, he's not really a threat. And it's also unsure if the jailer actually knows that we're giving him back his memories. It is a little bit odd that when you go to the Abulet that, like, you're giving him memories and walking out with legendaries that he doesn't seem to, to notice, especially in the middle of Torghast. But, yeah, I think that's really just because he expects that he doesn't have any useful memories for us to pluck. Uh, even if he gifted those memories to some of his trusted lieutenants or uh, underlings or whatever throughout the world, which is how we acquire them uh maybe he keeps the mornblade one for himself because very clearly we see him having one of his minions forge a mornblade we see him plucking that th- item out of there so maybe that memory of the mornblade is not in the rune carver at this moment maybe that is in the hands of the jailer itself so i don't know what do you think matt i also think there's a difference between the jailer is aware that
1: you are doing things and the jailer is aware of exactly what you are doing. Um, I don't think the jailer knows everything we're doing, literally. For one thing, if he did, he could do a heck of a lot better job when you're running through the maw of stopping you. It takes him a while to even be aware you're doing anything. And then you can keep ramping it up. And like he just he, it's like he sends people out to find you, but he doesn't know where you are. Mm-hmm. If he knew where you were, he would just drop everything on you. He would just have his towers the blast the area you're standing in. He would have his assassins just constantly home in on it. That's not how it works. The the, the situation is set up where you know his forces go on alert. They go looking for you. Um, the, the jailer is aware that you exist and he is aware that you are acting. He is not literally aware. He is not omnip- omniscient. He does not know everything you're doing. Even in the Maw, he is not completely all-knowing. This is really backed up by the fact that if you've done the where's Anduin twisting Corridors" thing at one point, the dude is 10 feet away from you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you are hiding
0: yeah. and he is poorly. hiding, hiding poorly behind a corner.
1: Yeah. He and Sylvanas walk right past you. And while I am convinced that the jailer does not think you're a particular threat, if you are standing right there and he sees you, he going to squish you just cause why not? You know, there's, there's no good reason he would ignore that. Um, and you know, he's talking to Sylvanas and they walk right past you. They don't know you're there. So he is not omniscient. He does not know everything you're doing as soon as you do it. He can be outmaneuvered. I think in the case of the Rune Carver, he literally does not respect the Rune Carver.
0: No, not even there's close.
1: A, there's an old saying, when you step to the king, you best not miss. The Rune Carver, if my theory is correct, is the Primus. The Primus stepped to the king and he missed. So now whoever he is primus or not he clearly has not succeeded in defeating the jailer the jailer has you know completely upended him has him chained up and is not he's not really a concern he doesn't even have guards on the guy like when you when you keep in mind you're using an entrance into torgas that is not like i don't know how else to put it it's a back door and it's something that Venari i'm telling you right now Venari is more than she seems oh yeah 100 percent uh, they seem. I'll say they because I don't know. Um, I think they is, an, ap-
0: they, they is an appropriate uh, yeah, pronoun venop- for all of the...
1: Venarius more than they seem. And yep. definitely that, that entrance is not sanctioned. It's not an entrance that the, I don't think the jailer even knows about that entrance, which is like okay, because there's nothing there's nothing guarding it.
0: It is odd, though, that it's a door on the inside, because, like, you're going through, like, a portal from Venari.
1: Yeah, and then there's a door there. That's actually, and it's right next to where the Rune Carver is. The the portal to the Rune Carver is right there. So what's up with that? I would not be surprised to find out that Venari was heavily involved in everything the Jailer is doing now. That at one point, the Jailer had a contract with Venari. That would not surprise me.
0: I mean, we've um, we've and we've already seen that to be the case with like at least Sire Donathrius, who was working for the jailer, had a contract or at least involvement with one of uh yeah. mm-hmm. the the what can it, uh, brokers one of the one yes. of the brokers right
1: one of the death ethereals we wants to call them but yeah <laughs> absolutely there's there's a lot going on there the jailer is not omniscient the jailer does not know everything the jailer is knowledgeable and intelligent uh, but the jailer is also arrogant and has not had a serious threat to it. In all the time since it was banished, it took all the the uh, the eternal ones to stop it. He also seems very single
0: minded, too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's definitely an an obsessive quality to the jailers uh, thinking, although it's kind of hard to tell because we still haven't really gotten too much with time with the jailer. But, yeah, I definitely would say that yeah so yeah i i I definitely think the jailer is aware that we are doing things and taking steps the jailer does not think that those steps are important compared to what it is doing and the jailer does not i don't think the jailer is aware we are messing with the room carver because the jailer has not bothered to go back to the room carver since he got what he wanted because he even said the broken thing can be made to serve and then you see him torturing the room carver and eventually the room carver is made to serve and now has served its purpose it's done what the jailer wanted. Now, the jailer doesn't throw things away, so he, he he kept it. He kept the the room carver there. They they're a a possible resource, but they're currently not useful.
0: Mm-hmm. They're not
1: doing anything. So that would be my that would be my interpretation of what the jailer's up to and why the jailer, you know, the jailer does not know everything we're doing, does not know how we're getting into the mall now, the jailer probably knows how we're getting out of the mall, so it is kind of worrisome that they don't have any forces yeah. there.
0: Well, that's always been a little confusing to me, right? Because, like, he literally watched us leave through that portal, like, he was present. Absolutely, mm-hmm. so why, if he knows that we come down there and wreck things, why not try to guard the way out? Why not put something there? What keeps that's- him from doing that? That's the
1: thing that is interesting,
0: is interesting to me. Um, there is a There was a theory that was presented to me, um, and I apologize, I don't remember who uh, sent it to me on Discord, it was a, a few weeks ago, uh, after the first time we talked about it, is that he might be entrusting Sylvanas to handle a lot of the minutiae of organizing the forces and sending the forces where they're going, and it, it, it was borderline uh, Sylvanas apologist type thing, but... I get it. People love her and are looking for the good or or something to redeem her. But there might actually be a glimmer of truth to that because it seems odd, right? Like you have this person who is this wonderful uh, general who understands how everything works, working underneath this giant power. And we don't know if he's actually giving direct orders to like the Mossworn or to those forces or if he's going through uh, her and just saying, take care of this, I have other things to worry about. And going back to where he is very single-minded, if he's just focusing on the fulfillment of his plan, he's got the pieces he wants. He's got Anduin. He's got a Mornblade now to shove into Anduin. He's close to whatever his goal is. Maybe he doesn't care about the other things because, again, like you said, he hasn't really felt opposition. He hasn't really felt... Uh, a threat since he was imprisoned maybe he just doesn't know how to care about any oh you know and maybe if he is trusting Sylvanas maybe it's intentional maybe it is intentional that there's nothing there and I'm not saying that it's out of the goodness of whatever her undead heart is Oh, no,
1: if, if Sylvanas wants to be ruler of everything after this is all over and done with setting that the jailer up uh-huh. to fall he succeeds is always a good move
0: yep That's a very Sylvanas move. It's a very, it's a very, very Sylvanas exit strategy, right? So there, there, there might be something to that as well, that maybe some of these things that are not guarded are because Sylvanas is specifically calling them not to be guarded because she knows that we're going in and out and taking some of that power away from, uh, from the jailer itself. And he's too focused on his goal to, to really see that. So he doesn't see her messing with things. And we also, again, I go back to this, we don't know the root of the conversation way back when between Helia and Sylvanas. Helia doesn't exactly seem to me like a person who really enjoys serving other folks as well. Like the whole Odin thing kind of put a sour taste in her mouth. Why would serving the jailer be any better? Plus, I mean, let's be upfront here. If you are
1: if you are Helia, one thing that might have occurred to you was that you would never have had any of that happen to you. Mm-hmm. Had Muzala not made the deal with Odin in the first place, like if not for Muzala, Helia would have continued to be a chosen servant of the Titanforged, and lived her life as it had been, and wouldn't have been killed and turned into a Valkyrie. Yeah, that's so. Whilst I, it's quite possible that she her, all her animus is against Odin, and that's perfectly fine. She might actually also not be, but tremendously loyal to the jailer why would you want to be loyal to someone helia claims to be death incarnate to her followers
0: oh yeah she does she really does she just as
1: just as muzala does to his Mm -hmm. having an overlord even one this powerful it it's not surprising to me that his loyal his his loyalists are only loyal to him as far as he can push them because why would you be why would you you know exalting him, yeah, he's going to change the universe, it's definitely a a case where you get on board or you get crushed, but if you can get off board and not get crushed then you would there's no, this is, once this ship starts to sink, the rats are going to jump off, so I think that's also something to consider, especially with the idea of Helia, Sylvanas, any of them, like, you know, Denathrius if Denathrius hadn't thought the Jailer was absolutely going to win, he never would have backed him in the first place.
0: Yeah i agree and
1: if he ever thought oh well this isn't going to work out for me he'd backpedal on that in a heartbeat so i think that's something to consider as stuff moves forward the the jailer is not surrounded by people who are loyal to him and I, and he doesn't really seem to understand people enough to to get that like he, he just assumes they will do what he wants or he'll turn them into something that will do what he wants you know he, he doesn't really seem to understand once you've made that deal to get someone to work for you they still have the uh, the agency to, to subvert you. But we don't know. We haven't seen it yet. So. Yeah, but it's something to get There
0: There's going to be more to that story. And, and I think there's some weight to that. So I think that is like the key point is that nobody who is serving the jailer really seems to be out of some loyalty. They're either getting something out of it in case of like Denathrius. It seemed like it was a beneficial deal for him uh, or are under threat of being turned into something else or their memory stripped. He's got power or both. Over, or both, uh, or our reconstruction of souls that he's broken down and reforged into some other necromantic horror or, or animatic horror, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that yeah, I don't wanna be that, so I'm gonna do what he says as long as it gets me where I need to go. So I think there's gonna be something to that as this expansion goes on, because there's only so long that somebody can have you in the complete grip of terror before you figure out how to uh, how to get out of it. We'll see though. I'm hoping for an update into the storyline relatively soonish, uh, within the next couple weeks. That would be nice. Probably right around BlizzCon. Uh, our next question comes from Godzilla. Uh, question for Lorewatch. Hi, Joe and Matt. I've come to offer some you some tinfoil hat theories, as well as my new movie being available on stream two months early in March. Please watch, winky face. Anywho, I've been thinking about the Dragon Isles again lately, and once uh, once the again the eternal debate of expansion versus content pinch comes to me again. I think it goes without question that we are building up to the Dragon Isles as with the increase of dragon activity all over the last few expansions has been second really only to the rise of death magic and look where we are now. So as much as I would love a Dragon Isle expansion, and a model update with for the X aspects, I feel like it would be better if we got it as a content pack. For a while, I entertained the idea that the Dragon Isles was actually a realm of the Shadowlands, but I'm thinking that's probably going to be unlikely. So I had another idea. What if the final patch of the Shadowlands isn't in the Shadowlands at all, and it mimics the end of Legion? What if the Jailer actually escapes Azeroth, and we ha- or escapes to Azeroth, and we have to make our final stand to protect Azeroth, the Titan and Planet, On the Dragon Isles as it's home to yet another Titan facility. One that has direct access to Azeroth, kind of like the Heart Chamber. So what do you guys think? Am I trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with this idea? Or could you see this happening? And if you could implement the Dragon Isles in Shadowlands, how would you go about doing it? What do you got, Matt?
1: You know, Jailer escapes, uh, shows up in Silithus, rips the giant sword out, and starts walking. You know, he's actually big enough to use it. And uh, he walks across the uh, world until he gets to the ocean, he starts walking across the bottom of the ocean until he gets to the Dragon Isles. He walks up on shore. And then, you know, there's a whole fight. (laughs) I've I've been watching a lot. It's kind of funny that Godzilla said that about that movie. I've been watching a lot of Godzilla stuff lately just, you know, because I like big monster stuff. Uh, But in all sincerity... I don't know what they're going to do with the Dragon Isles. I, Part of me thinks that they shouldn't do it as a patch. But then again, I thought Argus. It was amazing that Argus ended up as a patch instead of an expansion. Except Argus was three zones. Mm-hmm. Argus was almost an expansion's worth of content by itself. Argus was huge. It had a dungeon. It had a raid. It had multiple like world quest stuff. It, there was a, there's a lot in Argus. It's still a lot. If you go there now, there's a ton of stuff going on on Argus. It's like, it's a lot of content. It feels like they, they, they tend to do that now. Like within, if, even if you look at the end of Battle for Azeroth, I don't think you can say that the, uh, the the invasion stuff was as much content as Argus, but it was a lot of content. There's a lot yeah. going on in that final patch. They tend to do that lately. They tend to, the last patch, I mean, you can even say this about um Warlords of Draenor for all its faults. Its last patch was a significant patch. It's just that it didn't have a lot between it had one patch that had raids and content, then it had, "Hey, here's a selfie camera." Then it had the final patch, and that was it for for Warlords. That was the problem. It wasn't that the last patch didn't have a ton of content. It did. It had a lot of content even if you weren't raiding. Um in fact, I remember like m- several of my alts got geared up pretty effectively running around uh Hellfire, doing stuff in the Tenan Jungle area. So that that's it's possible they could do it. Dragon Isles definitely could be an end of expansion patch with like a ton of content and it, there are connections, for instance, Yasara is now bound to to the to Ardenweald. So she could serve as a way for players to get from Ardenweald to the Dragon Isles. Perhaps that's even Perhaps there is even uh, something to be said about the concept of it being a shadowland or it having like a shadowland side like the dragon isles might actually have this is the part that's lit, that's actually in Azeroth. this is the part where they you know because it's it's we don't know exactly what the dragon isles are. We know that there's like those dragon graveyards and so forth up in winter blood in winter spring, not winter yeah. but yeah, close to winter spring. Uh, what is the name of that zone? dragon dragon blight
0: dragon blight yep
1: yeah this entire zone that's like where dragons go to die
0: why um, like why is yeah. that there and not somewhere like the dragon Isle?
1: possibly because the dragon isles are where dragons that come back go yep. because there's definitely sarah went to a wild seed
0: yeah she was in a wild seed not not she 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 could have been reborn
1: which means dragons can be reborn at least the aspects can well, don't, well hold on
0: a second when she dies she wasn't an aspect anymore
1: that's true, but that might, it's possible that the aspect thing... We, we say she wasn't an aspect anymore because we don't really know what it means to, to give up your power. Sure. We don't actually know if they weren't really aspects anymore. We don't know how that works, but it, your point's valid. But at any rate, she went into a wild seed, and she was going to get reborn mm-hmm. one way or the other. Um, if, if the drought wasn't happening, she would have just been reborn. Is that the case for all of them? Is there an Neltharian wild seed out there
0: somewhere? Which would Is make a, a, a Malagos one? Which would make a strange amount of sense, honestly. And the interesting thing is like some of the concept art going back to like some of the the, the early things that we saw for the Dragon Isles, uh, because we saw it's been around for a while as far as like a, hey, this is a thing that might actually happen. Um, it was originally intended, I think, as like a, a 65 to 70 raid. Um, and it was supposed to be like north of Lordaeron near Quel'Thalas. Like it was supposed to have this whole uh, this whole thing. Uh, and there were supposed to be like old god influences and things like that but one of the central pieces of art that i remember from it was that weird uh temple thing it looked almost like one of the divine beasts from uh breath of the wild in a lot of ways and this is before i actually
1: like, think it looks like an nautiloid if you're talking it about the one it, has, yeah. it has like a like a shell like a nautiloid or an ammonite and it's got like the temple on top yes, of it that's and exactly the what i'm talking like about up the front. yeah yeah, I've seen that. That's, that's one of the really old pieces of art that they, they showed off for the possible Dragon Isles. Yeah. Uh, that was, there's a lot to be considered about this concept. We don't really know what the Dragon Isles are for. We know that they, you know, we don't know what the dragons do with them. We don't know why they have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rathion can't get there because he doesn't know where they are. And that's interesting to me because Rathion has memories from like, you know, Titans, being, you know, but he doesn't know where they are. So that's interesting to me, too. Um, I'm trying to think out how to put this. We don't know what the Dragon Isles are for. If the Dragon Isles are a, a place where dragons that go to the Shadowlands can be reborn, too. I mean, the Titans the Titans put in a process for successors when the Aspects die. We yeah. know that because when Malagos died, his successor was chosen. It's possible that dragons aren't intended to come back. Or... If they are intended to come back, it will take so long that they need a successor. They need somebody to come in and be the the aspect. The world can't wait. Um, It's also possible that they might be reborn to other worlds for all I know. I really have no idea. But I do know that at least Ysera got a wild seed, which implies that they all might at least be capable of getting wild seeds. It might have just been because of her connection to the the Emerald Dream. I don't know that either. That's that's another thing we don't know. You might, mu- but you'd think if Ysera got one, then Alexstrasza would get one,
0: because mm-hmm.
1: she is literally the aspect of life. Um, but that doesn't mean right now Neltharion could be out there in a wild seed somewhere, or you know he might have gotten you know judged and sent to you know he might be an old reliable, or I think that's what they're called in a yeah the reven- old
0: reliable. In he Rev. might. Be,
1: you imagine, you know, the the sin of pride that that guy was going through. Uh, he might be there. He might might have been sent to the mall. I don't know. We yeah, we um, generally we, don't
0: know what happens when a dragon dies because we we we've only seen Ysera. We haven't seen any other dragon uh, that we've interacted with in the Shadowlands, and there's a number of them that we've either had a hand in killing or been around and watched them die. I mean, uh consort. Uh, Coral, Coral Strauss, right? I think that was his Coral name.
1: Strauss, Crosses. Yeah,
0: Crosses. Uh, he's Dunzo. Uh, where is he? Because he's, we haven't run into him yet, and you would think that, again, being so tied to the flight of, of the Red Dragon flight and being so tied with life, you would expect that he probably would have also been a good candidate to go to Arden. With. Or Oranicus or, or Aranicus, yeah. There's, it's, it's fascinating to me that we haven't seen him. The, the, I keep coming back to this. We keep saying that we're not going to see it in the Shadowlands. What if the Dragon Isles is something that supersedes both? We know that the Emerald Dream touches Azeroth, but also seems in a way to be able to touch the Shadowlands. What if the Dragon Isles is that in-between state for Dragon? What if that's what they wind up being? And maybe it is something we see towards the end of this expansion. I actually would be perfectly fine with it being a content drop or a content release during this expansion if they did it like Argus. If it came towards the end when things are starting to wind up and we're starting to actually know things about how the cycle of life and death actually works, uh, how things were supposed to be, because in my brain, I I believe that we're going to get to a point where we start learning how things were supposed to be, how they were altered. We're going to learn more about that process as we start uncovering uncomfortable truths. Uh, It might be from dealing with the brokers. It might come come from dealing with uh, the attendants. Uh, Who knows? But I think we're going to get to a point where we probably know more than we expect. And I I feel a swerve somewhere in the story coming where everything's not as black and white as we. But getting to that point and having like a final content where things are are not necessarily wrapping up, but as our understanding gets to a point of, yeah, okay, we understand what's supposed to happen now and why things kind of are the way they are. And then we find the Dragon Isles and it becomes this huge content patch on par with something like Argus. I would be completely okay with that. There is a way they've proven that they can do a large content release that almost feels like an expansion and sort of like rides that space between. And they don't always have to do those content releases, obviously. But this feels like one of those expansions where it would be really worn, where it would be welcome, especially with the gravity of the story going on and everything else, finding a way to tie us back to Azeroth or transition us back there besides the machinations of Big Bad wants to be do something with Azeroth type thing, I'd be okay with. Like, why Why are the Shadowlands important? Why, why do we have Kyrian that keep us from going to the cycle of life and death and keep us able to resurrect? Why are we special? What does it have to do with the First Ones? is are the first ones partially how, you know, things on Azeroth started, maybe way back when. Do they have a hand in the Titans? There's a lot of of story elements that they could pull on, a lot of threads they could pull on that would make a whole lot of sense to do with the Dragon Isles towards the end of this expansion. So if it's a giant content release, I'm actually okay with that. I don't think it actually needs to be its own full expansion, but leading into something else or, or having long-lasting effects on what comes next, 100% I could see. Oh, anything else to, to add to that one, Matt? I guys covered it. Okay. Uh, this one, I apologize. I don't actually have a name associated with this, uh, cause you didn't add one in the email that I pulled this from. Hi, Matt and Joe. You mentioned each zone getting a raid in future patches, and I wanted to throw out my personal idea based on how each covenant campaign ended and get some feedback from you guys. Bastion would get a Mossworn Helia focused raid. Meldraxus would get something along the lines of Naxxramas 3.0 and Ardenwild would get a Throsdroost, uh, focused raid. I know it's probably a bit too early to look forward to the next patch, but if something like this ends up being the case, which of these do you think would be next in line? Love the podcast. Thanks. Honestly,
1: uh, one of the things I've been thinking about when I read this email was that it would be possible to get all three in one patch because it would be possible to get one raid that's a big raid that has like the full amount of stuff, like six, eight bosses, and then get one raid that's literally one guy and one raid that's two or three fights.
0: Mhm.
1: I'm thinking back to uh, Burning Crusade here. Oh yeah. The, the first raid tier was Karazhan, which was a the raid with like a whole bunch of stuff in it, a, the big raid top to bottom. Then there was um MacTheradon's Lair. MacTheradon's Lair, which was just MacTheradon, then there was Gruul's Lair, which was two fights. Mhm. Council fight and then Gruel. Uh in terms of the fights you're talking about, the Thros raid feels to me like it would be the one where you'd actually get a full raid because oh. there's enough stuff we don't know yeah. about it where you could actually get a bunch of stuff. The Maldraxxus raid, I think, would just be Kel'Thuzad. Like straight up Kel'Thuzad, you go there, you fight some trash, you find Kel'Thuzad, you kill him. Um, I think that would be the Maldraxxus thing. Unless they did something to 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 reveal the true fate of the Primus. But I don't think they're going to do that in the next patch. Also, keep in mind, this is all just speculation, and it's quite possible they will do none of this, and I would not be surprised if they do none of this. But I'm saying that I feel like that there's not enough. You don't want a Nax 3.0. You don't want another giant raid full of Scourge-like monsters. We've done it. We've seen it. We've we've had those fu- th- those expansions. But having one encounter or two, maybe, like, like the minions of Kel'Thuzad council fight and then Kel'Thuzad, would give you a chance to give people a feeling, like you know, you could basically design the fights around, you know, you could basically design a fight that is literally like three or four different Nax bosses in one fight, and and that way it gives people a nostalgic feel, and they're familiar with the mechanics, but it's different enough. And then you'd have Kel'Thuzad as the boss, and that would definitely be you'd want that to be different than his first fight, and obviously it would be because he's not going to be summoning minions from the Lich King, but that could, again, it would, it would give you the nostalgic reminder without it having to be the exact same thing. And I think that that would be a good way to go with with, with Maldraxis. And as for the M- Morsworn Helia, the problem I have with that is that Helya's already been this. Like, the Trials of Valor raid in, in Legion, that's literally what this is. You know, you go through a couple other fights, and then you fight Helya. I kind of want Helya to get, if you're going to do a Morsworn Helia focused raid, I want it to be its own raid. So I would be happier to see, like, say, Ardenweald as the main raid focus and Maldraxxus as a secondary raid during that and then have Helia either show up in the final raid of the expansion or get a complete raid for herself where there's a lot of stuff to fight and it isn't just, you know, clean up fights to get to Hellia, because that's what they did before. That's, I don't want to see what we've seen before. I don't mind references to what we've seen before. I don't mind feeling like the fight is informed by what we've seen before, but I don't want it to just be what we've seen before. And that's what it would be. If Hell if you only got like a like a one-two thing, like you go in and you just fight Helya directly, or you go in, you fight a Helya minion, then you fight Helia directly, that we've seen, and that I don't want. Whereas if we went in, if there was like a raid that was literally like, you know, Bastion of the Forsworn, uh, as a you know, dig at Bastion, and you literally go in and fight all these Forsworn characters until you finally get to to yeah, That would be cool because then it would be different. But that's that's just my thinking in terms of what would make the best storytelling. Like I don't I don't want them to. I don't think we're gonna get four raid tiers here. Hmm. I don't know how many tiers we're gonna get, but I don't think we're gonna get four of them. And that's what you would need if we're
0: gonna get every zone gets its own raid. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's a way to do it, too, where it could also be staggered depending on the storytelling that's necessary, right? Like, I could honestly see... So the Maldraxxus thing, I think, would tie in very well with something with, like, the Drust Rust as, as a uh, a shared tier. Uh, I think that those two together make a lot of sense as far as, let's say, you're, aver- you're trying to average eight boss encounters per tier for maximum loot exchange or experience or whatever, and I'm just picking a random number. I have no design background as far as encounters go, but that seems to be a decent number for large raids or amount of things to fight or kill in a tier. You could have something like Naxxramas 3.0 that's smaller, has a... You know, maybe three encounters that lead up to Kalthazad, especially because there is that ziggurat looking thing that's flying around the top of Maldraxxus. I actually don't know what that is. I have not spent a whole lot of time in Maldraxxus this uh, uh, recently. And so our listeners out there, if you can, you know, if there's something specifically done with that one, uh, or or something with the story of the zone or campaign that addresses that, please let me know. But it looks like Ramos, and it looks like, uh, the same thing where we saw the Margrave of the House of Eyes, uh, that he was flying around in, or they were flying around in with Draka, uh, before it got blown up. It looks like the only one, and you can see it on the map. It's got an icon. It rotates around. I have no clue what it does. I have no clue what its purpose is or if it has any sort of significance on the zone, but having something like that where it is almost like a ramus style thing, I could totally see that. I could see that being a little more warlike, a little more organized uh, than Ramus was because Ramus was four different wings of four very different aesthetics. Uh, and very much a the inside is larger than the outside type thing. They could do something like that here that leads up to Kalthazad and deals with that, you know, him and his story, and maybe it's putting an end or pinning whatever uh, thing is happening with Maldraxxus, and maybe it is that moment where we recover the last memory that restores the Primus to some form of fighting order, right? Uh, Because I think that, I don't think we're going to see the Primus in action for a while, and I think it would be cool if there was something that set up the Primus to come back as part of the final conflict like of the expansion. And then you go to Thros, and you're dealing with that, and we know that we have Garak Tool to deal with. We don't know what else is there. We don't know if uh, he's managed to capture and corrupt any Loa or any wild gods, because we haven't seen several of the wild gods or entities that we know should be here, Uh, because if I remember correctly, we haven't seen anything from scenarios since that whole thing happened. Right. We haven't seen anything. Yeah. And
1: at the end of the if you do the raid, he's at the end of the raid.
0: But he's there as a spirit, right?
1: I don't know if that means he, you know, he's gone to Ardenweald or what. I'm not sure what's up with that.
0: Yeah, so I mean, but if Ursak if goes there, one would assume that Cenarius in some capacity would probably go to Ardenwell. We haven't seen him. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of other entities. What if, you know, the the Drust got a hold of them? What if the Drust are able to uh, capture and, and subvert souls and wild seeds just like they can the Sylvan? They had a run of a large section of Ardenwell for a long time. They had a Grove of Rebirth. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything that they resurrected went back to Azeroth or went back to uh, wherever it was. It's possible that they could have taken something out of a seed, corrupted it, and sent it back to Thros for now. Maybe to use its power, maybe to do something with it. There's a lot of options they could do there. But it also feels like dealing with with Thros doesn't need to be a massive raid tier all in and of itself and it could just be a four-boss structure or something like that with dealing with Throws, trying to, to fight back the incursion back into not just the Shadowlands, but to the Prime Material, because it seems like that's their ultimate goal. Uh, there's a lot of things they could do. And then going to the Mossworn Helia focused raid, I think it would be really interesting to have that all tied up in one neat bow towards the end, because Odin's still hunting Helya. I would love to see something where bastion and odin's forces and helia's forces are in a massive scrum and we're trying to clean up whatever mess we can because i'll be perfectly honest i would not i would not bat my eyes uh at getting another uh option to punch odin into the the, the fiery beard and poke his last remaining eye out because that dude's a a, a bleep <laughs> uh i would have no problem putting a hurt on him, and then going to put in a hurt on Helia, or whatever the case is. But I think that that could be an epic sort of tier all in of itself, because there's a lot of stuff tied up with that. There's the Uther, the Mossworn, there's um, the what do they call them, the not not the Mossworn, the force-worn. Uh, you have an entire zone being consumed by them slowly. Like, if you go to the northwest, I want to say, of Bastion, that entire zone is basically just Mossworn territory. Like, one quarter of that map, one third of that map, is nothing but Mossworn-owned territory. And they're not really getting pushed back yet. Well, maybe we start making room on that. Maybe it becomes this epic thing. Maybe it winds up us going to whatever pocket dimension Helia's is sitting in, uh, because she's not necessarily in the mall full time, from what we can tell. Even when you see her in the River of Souls, she looks almost like astral projectory, like she's not exactly substantial, but I could see that being a thing, and there's a lot that you can do with this stuff to make it work and to have all of these sort of zone stories tie up in a raid-like environment and then lead to uh an end of expansion sort of tiering that gives you some form of tie-up or round-up that that finishes everything off oh buddy i i just found out something go ahead where the he's not dead really yep
1: okay he's only- conscious at the end of the fight we don't kill him malfurion stays behind to cleanse him while we go forth into the rift of alan and later on when they do the legion assaults scenarius is leading the defense of that zone um uh valshara so yeah scenarius and janitor Song lead the defense of valshara during the legion for legion assaults which are canonically after that that raid so he's not dead that's why he ain't there
0: interesting huh oh time it's all wibbly wobbly
1: it's, it's very easy to think he's dead for one thing we see him after the fact and he you know there's nothing that says specifically oh yeah i i was fine i got he i got healed up i'm good it's just afterwards that he's you know so yeah it's it's quite possible though i thought he was dead it's how you know the difference between we killed him and we didn't kill him you know but yeah
0: he's not dead so that's just some ideas of how we could start incorporating some of these zone specific stories into raids uh or encounters there's a lot of ways they could go with it. There's a lot of uh, story threads they could pull on to make it work. Honestly, I'm excited for it because I think as much as I enjoyed a lot of the Battle for Azeroth raids, the Legion raids at least felt cohesive from a story standpoint where everything sort of made sense of why we did what we did and where we went where we went. And Battle for Azeroth, while the most of the raids were good, it felt sort of, I don't want to say hodgepodgey, But we went into a Titan facility, then we raided a civilization's capital, and then we went to Ny'alatha. Like, it it was a weird sort of transitional, like, space. Like, it didn't really... It went from one story beat to another. Here, they could tie everything together and have a neat little progression of, okay, well, you dealt with Denathrius, now what do you deal with next? Now do you deal with the, the the the... drust do you deal with uh the moss what do you go and how do you deal with all that so there, there's some cool stuff that they could do that makes that could make it feel very cohesive and i'm all about the cohesive raid, raid story our next question comes from our good friend Tetsemi again question for Lorewatch. watch now that the helm of domination is in pieces and in the shadowlands how do you think this will affect the scourge and azeroth story-wise going forward didn't they kind of cover this in the short story a little bit with the uh the death knights leading up to a uh, fight between sylvanas and Bolvar? Kinda, yeah. So they in that short story, they talked about how the Death Knights could exert control in a close proximity to the Scourge, like they they could sort of act like mini Lich Kings and exert you know their willpower over them. As a matter of fact, like that's how they get the uh the Ebon Blade Hold still functional. Like that's how they they get it flying around. Like they don't have to put too many people down. Um, but they're not nearly as powerful uh, as, like, the Lich King with the of Dominations control. But I think they made a comment in there about how, you know, the Death Knight Station throughout Azeroth could continue to, you know, act as that bulwark and, and sort of help keep the Scourge in check. Does that make sense? What do you think, Matt?
1: I think they should just kill the damn Scourge. I've never understood this concept. If if there's nobody reanimating them and there's not at the moment, uh, just kill them. Yep. Destroy them, burn them, you know, just hit them with mass weapons, just, you know, herd them into a cavern, into a cavern and collapse it, you know, set them on fire, whatever. I don't see why an Azeroth that, that could hold off the Legion can't get together enough force to to take the Scourge out.
0: Yeah, because canonically, canonically the army forces right now aren't in the Shadowlands, only us heroes are. There's still tons of military forces back on Azeroth. That aside... I mean, the thing you said
1: about the Death Knights, that's valid enough. I mean, Bolvar is currently in the Shadowlands, so if he still has the ability to control them in some way, we don't know about it. I am pretty sure by the end of this expansion, that hat's getting reforged.
0: And what happens when we reforge things? Stronger.
1: Uh, with, with rune-type items, they get stronger when reforged. Um, unlike Warcraft 3, which did not get stronger when reforged. But I'm- oh, but I'm bum. Actually, though, I'll be honest. I liked Warcraft 3 Reforged. I played it and thought it was good. That, that
0: That's a topic for Tuesday, sir. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, um, my point just being, the joke aside, uh, if you Reforge a rune weapon, which the I think Mournblades and stuff created by the rune carver are considered rune weapons, they get stronger. Um, I This is a complete tack away from this entire question, but I'm still curious as to whether or not that thing was was made out of anduin's like the sword anduin brought in or not that blade that they want to make him use mm-hmm. is that you know chalamane or is it just a copy of it did they make a Mornblade that looks like it that i want to know because that that's got some interesting possibilities up until they made that thing i did not think we were going to see Varian in this expansion and i still mostly don't think we're going to see Varian in this expansion like i'm like 90 percent sure but 10 percent of me is like wait a minute. Yeah, Anduin uses that sword, but that sword was Varian's. And, you know, sure, he was given it by Jaina, and it has a long history, but it always felt like Varian's. In a way, it never felt like Anduin's. And that made me wonder. But in terms of the Scourge itself, I honestly, you know, straight up, I don't see, like, we we don't, right now, we don't have a Lich King. We don't. So that whole there must always be a Lich King thing, or the Scourge will run out of control. Well, that's happening. The Death Knights are being stretched thin, just holding them back. I say wipe them out. Uh, you know, just just destroy as many of them as you can. It it works. It, it's it's a tested formula. I don't see why we can't do it. I don't know how many undead there are on Ice Crown, uh, Ice Crown Glacier. Obviously, there's a lot. Even, I mean, even beyond because, the glacier,
0: like we don't know how many are really on the the mainland either.
1: Yeah, but we could still we could make a giant dent in them, at least. Uh, but regardless, uh, I think that, but I think, I don't think we're going to see a lot of scourge after this expansion. I feel like this expansion will have scratched people's itch for undead focused stuff. I agree. And we'll probably move to something else, which is of course the big problem with, with, with Warcraft as a setting is that we constantly get to the point where we've just barely managed to defeat like an ultimate evil. And then rather than make absolutely sure that the thing is dealt with, we immediately go somewhere else. <laughs> That's kind of why you know we, we sort of just leave the place wrecked and go. Well, yeah, I'm sure the people here will fix it. Uh, on I've to new adventures. S-
0: I've been saying that for years. Just, just saying. Like I rem- we,
1: we I- are terrible. I, remember, I just remember like uh, <laughs> what we were talking about during Cataclysm. Um, was like how we were going to Pandaria immediately, and it's like you know, uh, do we really need to go to Pandaria right now? We, Couldn't we didn't we, like, finish. Yeah, didn't but, finish. Like sure, we killed Deathwing, but there's like old god minions everywhere and stuff. And nope. We didn't. We didn't deal with it, and what happens? Nazoth gets free. See, this is what happens when you let Nazoth get free, guys. But um, yeah, I I don't I don't think the scourge are going to get a lot of focus after this expansion. So, whatever story we get now is going to have to be it, I think, for a while.
0: You um, know, I, I would kind of be okay too if like, and we we talk about this a lot uh, as well, uh, or at least fairly often. What is everybody back home doing while we're dealing with this? And there's not a war going on right now, at least not yet. Uh, there's a, a ceasefire, essentially. Uh, so the factions aren't aren't getting in each other's way. Um, so what are these soldiers doing? What are these the people of Azeroth doing? And one of the ideas is that, like, oh, yeah, they're, they're taking time to heal and, and lick their wounds. But part of that is also making sure that things are safe and secure. Well, if they're dealing maybe they're dealing with the scourge invasions or the scourge going a little bit more mad now that the lich king's gone the helm of domination is shattered it's not even on our plane of existence and maybe the death knights are helping lead that as generals or uh oh, oh, or, or oh, commanders oh. go for it
1: i just realized something i just imagine if all the scourge start getting the forsaken thing of they start waking up and being able to think again all mm-hmm. of them
0: because the lich king's yeah. not there
1: yeah, there's no Lich King. Uh, the Jailer is doing whatever the jail is doing. If the Jailer gets defeated and the forces of the Maw get sealed away, there's nothing influencing them. And they all start going, "I can't I talk? Oh, click. Okay, my jaw was gone. What happened? Why am I here? Like, imagine that you suddenly have all, like, boom. No more forsaken population problem. <laughs> like, oh, we can't reproduce. We're going to die out. Well, here's a couple... Yeah, here's like a whole big chunk load more of you. Oh, okay. Well, that'll, that'll hold us for a while.
0: Yeah. It, you know, and that's another thing. Like we know that the forsaken wake up and, and sort of have sort of consciousness at some point, or at least they did. But sometimes we don't, we don't necessarily understand what conditions allow that to happen. If that makes sense. Like, I think they talked about, at one point, they said something about, you know, the state of rot of the person's mind or soul has an effect on it, and that by healing them or or putting some of their gray matter back together, it, it fixes it. But that was a long time ago that they talked about that. I want to say, like, Cataclysm was when they were talking about that, uh, when they did all the zone revamps. What if that's not the case? What if there's more to it? What if it is partially themselves waking up because they're no longer being suppressed there you know maybe it's not all of them but maybe that increases it maybe there's there's more that we're like why am i eating this person i don't want to eat a person this is bad why don't you know so who knows there could be more to it (laughs) um i think we're gonna have time for one more question here before we have to call it but it's also going to be from titsemi uh, which came shortly after the last question. Thank you, Tetsumi. Uh Something for Lord watch. I have this picture of Joe's character as a steampunk shaman using the elements to enhance his engineering devices in an awesome amalgamation of hutzpa and panache. For Rossi's character, I always picture him with some sort of companion animal that's spiritually tied to him, more barbarian than warrior, and reflected in his wardrobe and armor. So my question is, what did you choose, Larian or Phalanx in Bastion and why? Did you do that I- quest?
1: I... I did that quest twice. I haven't done it on all my characters, but whenever I do it, I tend to pick the Larian because the phalanx creatures always break the freak down and are annoying. Um, <laughs> whereas the Larian are big, happy kitties with wings and you know, they just remind me of my cats. So yeah. Um, I'm related to any of this, but I took a, there's a picture of me on Twitter. My wife took me and my dog cause we went for a walk yesterday and I had to pick her up cause the ground was really cold. Cause it's like, it was like negative 15. So I had to carry her around for a bit and you know, it's a good picture if you see it. I do in fact almost always have some sort of animal around me nowadays. Yep. Same. Uh so yeah, I, I would go Larian. Uh although honestly I, I I don't know how to put it. I feel like survival hunters really didn't work out the way they could have. They were actually really cool in Legion and then they backpedaled on it and yeah. they're 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 in not in great shape. But I, I think like the, that class fantasy would almost be good at this point to take it away from hunters and give it to warriors. Um the idea of a melee who has an animal companion to help them because it's just, it's something that they don't seem to want to let hunters do. And lore wise. I mean, come on. Rexar does not strike me as a hunter.
0: No, Rexar, Rexar yeah. is a, he's a warrior Fury
1: warrior for God's sake. Look at him, two axes hitting everything. Uh, I'm just, I mean, you know, obviously he's considered a hunter and wow. Now, because he's part of the, the order hall. That's actually something that I'm always fascinated to think about is are they going to be able to add a new class to wow? Like we think think about if you do, they're going to have to do something about Legion. And now that you don't have to level through those expansions, would they simply just not put it in? And if you're, if you're playing a new class that just got just comes out with like, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it wrath of the dragon isles just now for like, you know, cause I have something to call it, but if wrath of the dragon isles comes out and it's the next expansion, do, if they put in the dragon spawn class or whatever, the dragon spawn class doesn't get a Legion order hall and you just don't go to Legion. If you play that class, like, could you do that? Would people be mad if they did that? But I mean, I they guess could-
0: the question is what, What? I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think there could be room for another class. And I think doing something very unique like that would work. Uh, we've seen it with unique starting zones, uh, whether it was the Goblin or the Worgen starting zone, which was sort of like they're dipping their toes into it, uh, or as deep as the Demon Hunter one is, because let's be honest, the Demon Hunter starting experience is rather robust. Yeah. Uh, like, and then you have uh, Death Knight smack dab in the middle, right? Like, the
1: Death Knight. The Death Knight one is the prototype that the rest of them were kind of designed around, and the 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 Goblin and Worgen ones are definitely set up just to get you through like your your uh, racial choice. Whereas the death Knight starting zone definitely has the feeling that it could have, it, it, it's if you'd never done the, 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 demon hunter one, you'd think, wow, this is really long and involved. And then you just the demon hunter when you're like, oh, okay. So this is what they did after. Okay. I, I understand. Uh, I don't know. I, I, but both, both demon hunters and death Knights have an order hall. They do. So, and that's the thing. Could you, could you do a new class and have them do Legion and not have them have an order hall? The thing is you could, because there's enough content in Legion to level you even without the order hall oh, stuff. Oh yeah, easily. So you could just start at level 20, go do Legion stuff, and never get an order hall call. Just go talk to a Cadgar and get sent to the next zone. You could just do that. That's another way they could do it. Um, so there, there's there's ways around it. I, it's just something I'm thinking about in terms of like this concept of, quite frankly, I'd love to see your steampunk shaman thing. But that that reminds me very much of the 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 rune caster that they kept talking about doing.
0: Yeah, and that's one I've been begging for for years. I remember writing I, way back for, for the previous site when I first. It was one of the first articles I ever wrote when I joined the, the crew. Was why WoW needs a rune carver or a rune caster. Uh, and it, it, I think it still exists out there. I don't, I don't know if it, it still exists. I would imagine it does in some capacity. But there's this idea that it's probably one of the the things that seems central to a lot of the races. In WoW, whether it's sigils, runes, wards, but yet nobody really does anything with them. Wizard, like mages, get closest to it. It, it, They do, but it's not the same thing. You're not casting runes. You're not, you're not carving them into blades and weapons and armors for special effects uh, and triggering the abilities on them. And it was always something I thought would be really, really cool uh, if they added it into the game because you could do a lot of different spell effects you can do a lot of different gameplay with just the idea of having them and they they kind of did it a little bit with uh, original runes as far as like what death knights were uh and it was okay but it wasn't because it wasn't the central focus of the character class it quickly got changed it quickly got maneuvered around because it was just a secondary resource. That's all it was. Uh, But what if it's not a secondary resource? What if it is the core identity of the class? Instead of having a shaman calling on, you know, these things, what if it is infusing items like an artificer with runic power, with magic power through this ability to, you know, maybe have an explosive gun or have armor that shields you uh, as a reaction and lets you do all of these cool things. And we're getting to a point now where wow is starting to get into even further weird technology it's always been on this this almost steampunky verge right like it's the between the harvesters and the uh goblin shredders and a lot of the other things there's a lot of like mechanical nature to things but what if you started fusing that with the arcane high fantasy nature of WoW to create something more? And we're seeing some of that actually in Shadowlands, which I thought was really, really cool. And it's funny that tetsumi brings up the Larian or the Phalanx. Um, while I didn't choose Phalanx, Loder chose to go with the Larian because Loder is a Healy boy and believes that the natural order of things is always the better way to go uh, than trusting in just machine augmentation. My Hunter, not so much. My Hunter is all about that mechanical advantage. And I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool if we took, like, the concept of the of the Phalanx, which is literally a combination of arcane energy from Anima and the engineering ingenuity of mechanical creation and had a class that centered around it, centered around that core concept, that idea. I would love to see something like that. I would love to see something where, you know, it's it's all about... We talked, uh, I think it it has to be a year ago now, about the idea of crafting being redone to be more central to, like, characters. Like, adding character benefits instead of just making random stuff to sell in the auction house. Something like this takes that concept and gives it footing. And I'd be all about that life. Make it so, like, there is a core component to crafting and setting yourselves up where your class feels like you're crafting for your spec. Maybe it has different specs. Maybe it has a a tank and a healing and a a DPS spec, Uh, or maybe it's all DPS, or maybe it's all healing. I don't know, Uh, however they want to do it. And you have it where it feels like these are creations that your character made, and it sort of has that combination of engineering and wizard. Like, I think that would be really, really cool. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I doubt it will ever happen. But, I mean, it would probably be the first time if something like that existed in the 16 plus years that I've been playing this game that I would possibly abandon my shaman. It It's just such a good concept to me, uh, but it's ugh, I, I would love to see something like that added to the game that sort of starts touching on the weird mechanical nature of of WoW that's becoming more and more present, that's becoming more central, especially now with Mechanomes and having Mechagon, you know, it's a full city based around sort of that concept. Give us more of it. Like I don't know anything else to add on that one, man. I mean, while you were
1: talking, I was thinking about the whole concept of the Rune Knight from D anD D and how it kind of is what you're talking about. From it is. Rune. And then I was thinking about you could basically you could pretty easily revamp Warrior spec. Um, I I felt for a long time now like we need to do something with Warrior specs because Arms Fury and uh, Protection don't really feel like they do much anymore. Um, I've always wanted the Protection to be something like the Dreadnought instead. Uh, especially because we had the Dreadnought Armor set, I always thought that that would be a good name for a warrior tank, and it should be less about protecting anything and more about being practically indestructible. Like they should be about endurance and so forth. Just because protection feels more paladin-y to me, like I feels like that's the kind of concept that protection paladin would have, whereas a warrior's protecting is fine, but you protect. You know, the best defense is a good offense, sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always, I've always thought that. Basically, Fury should be the Barbarian. Um, yeah. It, it should, should be the Barbarian from Diablo. And it should have talents and abilities that are about that kind of bestial Fury that are about the invocation of animals. Not so much having animal companions like a hunter, because I was talking about before, Like I, I feel like they should go and revamp the survival hunter and, and let that be the melee who has an animal companion. But to actually, like if you played a Totem Warrior Barbarian in D&D, you played somebody who doesn't have an animal companion, but who embodies an animal. Um, and that kind of thing could be done really well. Like there could be like, you know, not stances, but like, you know, attacks that, that draw upon certain bestial furies and so forth. Like, you know, this is the bear strike. And it'd be like, it'd be like almost the, the, the opposite of a druid or druids, druids take on animal forms and get their abilities that way. This would be, you know, I still, I'm still exactly the same. I'm still my petite little gnome warrior, but in this moment, I, I am the bear and you can't, you know, you can't hurt me. That sort of thing. Where it's instead of it being a shape you shift into, it's like a small cooldown. And I, I think there's ways that go around it. I honestly have, I've, I don't necessarily want another class that comes along and does it better because I'm tired of them doing that. Or They've maybe, done that twice now to warriors. Um, they did it with the Death Knight and they did it with the uh, Demon Hunter. And I feel like lore-wise, you can make a case for just having the Barbarian be how the Fury Warrior is. You could even still call it Fury Warrior if you want to. Although I don't, I don't like that name. And I don't like arms either because they all warriors use arms, (laughs) you know, arms being armaments, weapons. That's all warriors use weapons. If you want to have a weapon master warrior, there are ways to do that lore wise, too. And
0: I I know we got to get done. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, this is something I actually think about a lot, not just in terms of warriors, but a lot of the other classes, too, because a lot of the specs uh, have sort of antiquated names at this point, like enhancement shaman. You're not really enhancing anything anymore. You're not a buff bot like you used to be. It isn't really a thing anymore. Does enhancement actually make sense as the name of the class? And maybe instead of introducing new classes, maybe we start seeing a shift in current classes to realign them with how the the sort of the class fantasy and concept has has moved to at this point. Like, to your... I mean,
1: something I wanted to say a while back, I think I wrote about this, and then other people picked it up, but one of the things that would be great is if, instead of coming up with entirely new classes, or even with new specs, having stuff that is, like, racially specific for your character. Like, if you're an elf warrior, you could be, like, the sentinel, and you have special abilities that are the same the same mechanically like it's still mortal strike in terms of what it does yeah but, but you flavor it oh, different sent- sentinels you know sentinel blow or something well not blow because you don't want to wear
0: blow in there that's just not gonna work yeah but a sentinel uh, strike is fine
1: like, a sentinel strike or this you know the sentinel's revenge uh just and and have like you could you play your your blood elf paladin as a blood elf spellbreaker and you could actually have like a spellbreaker build yes. for both paladins and warriors and they're different because, but they're just cosmetic. It's still using their like the sentinel. Like if you have a, a sentinel warrior, they are still using all the same stuff as a prot warrior or a, a, pro, a arms warrior, whatever. It's just flavored with stuff for the sentinels. Like instead of it just being like you know just being a, a weapon throw like shattering throw, it's glaive throw. And when they throw it, a glaive comes out. Stuff like that. You can have a shaman who's like a a uh, a culturan shaman is all about he's like he's like a wave speaker Mm -hmm. and everything is about talking to the tides and you know for their fire damage stuff it's lightning because that's 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 perfectly in in line with the concept of storms on the ocean and you could there's ways to do this for a lot of things and it would just be cosmetic it would be a lot of work for the game but lore wise it would broaden everything out like because you'd get to really feel like i am a mountain king
0: yeah and and i think that's sort of that's sort of where i was going with it right like I think it's the the idea that the class the the class structure has changed so much since vanilla, and it's something that's acknowledged a lot, right? When you get any of uh, the developers into. Uh, interviews and things like that, they talk about that a lot, about where things have come, you know, how far they've come. And story-wise, we have such more robust history for these classes now between the different races and how they integrate with these classes, whether it's spellbreakers, uh, whether it's paladins, knights, whether it's uh, barbarians whether it's uh, the way that shamans interact depending on the various races that they are there's a ton of, of, of variety here that could potentially be represented a little bit better in game and tie the functionality of the classes without changing any of the core like how the abilities work uh, to just be renamed or reskinned in a way that fits those sort of that variation better like you said like instead of arms warrior call it something else Like maybe it's Weapon Master or or whatever there's there's you could rename it something that fits better Uh, instead of Fury Warrior. It's Barbarian, because, again, Fury is kind of one of those weird things like it's a name that's just an artifact of another time. Enhancement Shaman, change it to something else. Um, And you can do a lot of those visual swaps and have it tie more into the story of what those classes actually are now, where they are currently. And I understand what we're asking for here is a tremendously large undertaking, should it ever be attempted, uh, but it's it would fit the narrative of the character classes so much better if you had those options. It would allow players to feel more immersed in those roles as necessary. Um,
1: yeah, like I'm at- your torn shaman had a different name and different names for their abilities than a dwarf shaman and it's not that they're not both shaman but they look at what they're doing differently exactly and that same thing for paladins like we actually kind of have that for paladins but it's not official like but in game we know that there's like the Sunwalkers and the blood knights and i uh, the vindicators and you could have that be like actually reflected on your character sheet, you can have that reflected on the names of your abilities. And it wouldn't necessarily again. The, the abilities can be mechanically exactly the same; they don't have to change at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but imagine if, for for instance, if you're a dwarf, instead of it being called rampage, it's called it's called avalanche, and you're just it's because you're a mountain king. Um, whereas if you're you know playing a, a Drani, it's like fist, it's like f- uh, you know fist of Argus or something. The, the, these things. I feel like lore wise, they could definitely broaden out class appeal. But also, I feel like we probably need to be done talking about this.
0: (laughs) We could probably spend a lot of time doing this, but uh, those are just our thoughts. Thank you everybody very much for sending those questions. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And again, if you do have questions for the show, please continue to send them in to us. We love hearing from you and your questions and ideas. Um, you can send them into us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, make sure you specify the show that it is for, or you can again, send it to us on discord. Either if you are a Patreon supporter, you can send it in the Patreon, uh, supporter questions channel. Uh, or if you are not a Patreon supporter, we do have a Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, we do look at those very often, but thank you very, very much. And we will see you next week.